Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Snowy edition of my independence report. Uh, I, I'm up here in the great uh, state of Washington, and it snowed over the weekend. We got we got more in uh, um, two days than we normally get in in a year, and so we had over a foot of snow. And I know it's going across the country, and and uh, we're going to talk to the guest for the hour and find out where he's at and if he's snowed in and uh, and stuff because that, that makes it a lot more fun for us to be here. I have to tell you. Um, I've been looking forward to this interview because I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and in those days, the Seattle Supersonics were the only game in town. They were the the uh, basketball team from the NBA, and there was no football then. Uh, the Seahawks hadn't been born yet. The Mariners hadn't been born yet. And uh, so basketball uh, was the only game, and I remember a lot of those guys. And we have a guy with us who's the father of – of uh, an NBA player that played for 15 years. Now, there's a career. And Marvin Williams Sr. is with us, and he's an author. He's got a book out. And we're going to talk all about his book, his son. We're going to reminisce about the NBA and about some of the great players who played there and and the and the, how the game has evolved till now. And so, uh, Marvin Williams, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It, this is great fun. I, I really yeah. enjoy it because uh, um, basketball was, you know, when it, it, now they've, for those that are really in the know, the Seattle Supersonics are no more. They're now the Oklahoma Thunder, I think it is. And uh, they are, uh, um, so they've, they've gone. And so we don't have an NBA team. So I'm not as versed as today's game as I was yesterday's game, but that's, that's okay. So, um, Marvin, tell us a little bit about your son. 15 years is a and, – and I looked at his stats, and he has a lifetime scoring average of 10-plus points a game, um, a bunch of rebounds and stuff. And, and uh, tell us a little bit about him uh, and his career. Uh, Marvin, Marvin was from uh, uh, that little town – the town called Bremerton. He's from Bremerton, Washington. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realize that. He was from Bremerton. I spent 25 years in uh, Seattle, between Seattle and Bremerton while I was in there. I came up to uh, that area when I was in the military, United States Navy. Uh, I had him, and uh, he ended up being a, a great success as a person and, and, and as, a, as a basketball player in, in the NBA. He played 15 years. He started out as a number uh, two pick in the NBA draft 2005. He ended up um, playing 15 years. Then he also started out with Atlanta. Then he went from Atlanta after about six years. Then he went to Utah for a couple of years. And then he went to um, Charlotte, here in Charlotte. He played here uh, for my good friend Mike and Larry Jordan. And then he um, finished his career up in Milwaukee. Oh, wow. So, so, so you know, you know, the, you know, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I grew up that guy. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> is, is he as unique of an individual and as competitive as they say he is? Yeah. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's very, 
he's a, he's one of the nicest people. I mean, I, I, I've had conversations with him, and he hasn't changed a bit from the time when we was young kids, 14, 15 years old, playing basketball, growing up in uh, in uh, my little town of Wallace in Wilmington, where he's from. Oh, that's cool. Now, other than that, uh, um, uh, Marvin being in the NBA for so long and stuff, I really wanted to talk to you about your book because okay. uh, you you worked really hard growing up. You had a less than less than stellar uh, uh, youth growing up and stuff. Tell us a little bit about the circumstances that you had around white around yourself when you were growing up. Well, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York, in uh, 1964. And, and uh, during that time, you know, they had the civil rights going on in New York. We had what we call them, our community activists were, the government used to call them militants, but I, I believe they were just good community people. Called, I agree. We called the Black Panthers. They did a lot of really good stuff for um, kids in the neighborhood and the communities. And so we had those guys and we had, you know, we had um, Muhammad Ali in Harlem and we had Malcolm X and those guys. And I grew up in that era. Um, I grew up with a mom. My mom and dad had drinking problems. Um, they were really good people, but I think I think they're just. I think sometimes I think when they was drinking, I think they regret some of how their life turned out. Other than you know, just having us as kids, um, we weren't very rich. My dad, my dad did well because he was on a TV talk show cooking. You know, they have the cook shows now. He was doing that out in Long Island back in 1971, 69 around there. Um, he cooked, he cooked, so we would only see him. He would go to Long Island State the whole week, and we would see him on the weekends. Uh, we lived a pretty decent life whenever they, my mom and dad weren't drinking and fighting. Things seemed to be pretty normal for most kids. Um, I really love the community. I really love Brooklyn. I lived on Legion Street, Pickett Avenue. Uh, we lived there for till I was about 13. We moved from one community of New York to another one. And so basically, I lived in New York till I was about 13. Then I moved to North Carolina, which was a very, it was a big culture shock for me. Oh they, yeah, yeah. They were still doing the racism thing down there, and so I had, as a young thirteen-year-old, had to, I had to find my way and adjust to all that. And I fell in love with the game of basketball at thirteen years old. I learned how to play. I started learning how to play right before I left New York, and so I fell in love with the game of basketball. And when I got to North Carolina, I met a couple of people, Kenny Gaddison, who uh, ended up playing in the NBA himself for sixteen years and probably coached for over ten in the NBA. Me and him became real close friends. Then I met Larry Jordan and then Michael Jordan and we all on the weekends. Those guys lived like in a, a community called Wilmington, North Carolina, a city called Wilmington, which is about 45 miles from my little my town, Wallace. And so they used they used to come up on the weekends and play against me, and then we go down there and play against those guys. And I did that throughout most of my high school career, and I used to play against their high schools. And I have to ask you, you're still you're still in North Carolina now, is that right? Yeah, we're in Charlotte. Charlotte, North Carolina. Sure? Yeah. So yeah. has it has it changed since the '60s? Is it is it more liberal? Are they you know, are people more accepting of other people than they used to be? A part of me feel like they've gotten better. Then a part of me feel like you know they they, they be more they're more politically correct. Um, they're not like Seattle. I love that's what I love about Seattle. <laughs> everybody everybody's everybody, and I, and I do miss that about Seattle. But they, I think they've gotten better over the years from '64 to now. Well, I would certainly like to think so, but, but yeah. I mean, because it was, you know, I, I worked for a company out of the South for, for a number of years, and they used to call the uh, West Coast the left coast because mm -hmm. they because we were a lot more liberal than they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The, but the, the racism and whether it's on the surface or underneath the surface, I, I feel like at least the time that I spent there, it's still there. 
and it and it needs to it needs to go away. Uh, it needs to stop because we're all Americans. We're all one, and we are, and the, that that is just not an acceptable way for us to to live our lives. So, Absolutely. so I hope that I hope that. Uh, um, when we're talking about you know uh, Carolinas and and the South and stuff that they that they really get it and because uh, it's it's still it's still hard. Um, matter of fact, I was doing a podcast with um, um, a lady, what I call a blended family. And she, she's a white lady and, and she married a black man and they've got a couple of interracial kids and stuff. She is still scared to death to have her kid drive because she of was worried about him getting stopped and. Yeah. It's it's just a terrible thing. So, but in any event, we're here to talk about some cool positive stuff. So, <laughs> um, so, um, so you you picked up basketball at thirteen, yeah. And then then you you were able to get. To, now, did you play on your high school team? Yeah, I played on my high school team. I was an all star in my high school team. Uh, my coach really really loved me. His name is Joe Clay Jones, and I love him to death. And I, we talk at least once a week to this day. He uh he was one of my biggest fans. He always believed in me and thought I can go to college and play ball, you know, when I got through high school. But I decided that, you know, after high school, I uh, I wasn't sure about myself, so I didn't want to go to college, but I love basketball. And then I, I was more concerned about helping my mom financially. I wanted to make sure my mom was, was uh, doing okay. So uh, I, I was confused. I left home after about, after graduating from high school. I went to New York and played some basketball. And then I came back after a year to North Carolina. And one of my buddies told me, hey, man, you know, you can uh, – make some money playing basketball in the Navy. I said, yeah. He said, yeah. So I said, okay. So I went and signed up. And I didn't tell my parents. Until <laughs> the day I got ready to leave. My daddy was so upset with me, man. He was, was not happy. Was not happy. So I ended up playing basketball for four years for the Navy. I was all Navy one year. Um, then after I, they let me out of my contract early because I was we had a ship's team. I was on the aircraft carrier. And we had formed a ship's team. So whenever we came into port, these cities, we would play their best teams. Like we went to Australia, we played their national teams. We played some NBA, some former NBA guys, whenever we pulled in their ports. And uh, I ended up playing in a tournament in San Diego where they had Michigan State, San Diego State, and Arizona State. And so those guys got to watch watch me play. Those coaches from those, those schools got to watch me play. And they offered me a scholarship. Arizona State offered me a scholarship. Ole Miss offered me a scholarship. And uh, so the problem was I was still in the Navy. So I had to go work that out. And my captain on my ship, he figured it, it, it was better. I would probably do more good going to college and playing basketball than being on the ship. So they let me out of my contract early. But I ended up not, because I had Marvin at the time, I didn't ended up not going to Arizona because his mom didn't want to leave. And so I ended up moving down back to Bremerton, where he uh, where he was born at. And, uh, I played ball two years at a community college, college there, Olympic Community College there. Played two years, did great. And then I ended up going to a four-year uh, NAI Division One Christian college called Warner Pacific University in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you in in your college, uh, your senior year, I believe it was, you averaged twenty-seven points a game, which, by the way, is a not a small feat at all. That's that's so you you could, as they say, you could drain the the rock from from a long way away. Yeah, I could shoot it. I could shoot it. I enjoyed it, man. I love shooting. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, when did when did Marvin uh, Jr. Uh, when did, when did he start showing promise that he was going to um, follow in your footsteps and become a basketball player? We uh me and my girlfriend at the time used to coach girls basketball in Seattle. Uh, it used to be a girls AAU program called Seattle Magic, 
And uh, we coached there, and he used to come to the games and watch and watch us coach the girls. And then he used to sit on a bench, ask questions. And then after probably when he was probably about 25 and 7, he started more wanting me to teach him. Uh, you know, or, or sometimes the girls on the team would stay out of practice and start showing, like Sheila Lambert. You probably know, you probably heard of Sheila out there. Sure. Sheila, Sheila Lambert started teaching him how to handle the basketball and how to do all kinds of things with the ball. So she would always have to practice, spend at least a half hour to an hour after practice with him. So he started getting interested, and then he started asking me to coach him. So we started when he was probably about eight, nine, and uh, oh, individual coaching with him. Now, where do you go to? Where do you go to college? He went. To, he went to college at University of North Carolina. Oh, so he went all the way back there. Yeah, yeah. He chose to go to University of North Carolina. He loved Roy Williams, and uh, I always talk so much about Carolina. I don't, and sometimes I think he did it just to, to please me. But I think, I think that was the right choice for him because um, he loved Roy Williams. But Roy was at Kansas at the time, and it kind of worked out because then Roy left his job at Kansas and went to Carolina. So that I think that made that choice a lot easier for Marvin to uh, go to University of North Carolina. Well, and that, that was a hell of a program back then. Yeah, they won a national championship in 2005 against the University of Illinois. Yeah, so so he he got to he got to be and then and then he got after after his college days were over, he was a star in college on a national championship team. Yeah. And uh and then he was the second draft pick of the entire draft. Yes. What was that like to take that call? It was it was it was huge, but you know they had been talking to him since he was when he was a senior in high school. A lot BJ Armstrong, those guys from the NBA, used to come out and watch him work out um, in his high school when he used to have open gym, and they had talked about him coming out of high school and, and going to the um, league. But he wasn't. It, to me, a couple of things where he he was probably ready for it, but I wanted him to get me and his mom wanted him to get a college degree, and I and I think when he had him ranked, that they wasn't sure about it. So I thought it'd be smarter for him to grow and mature a little bit and go to college. Now, what did you think about uh, – because I know now um, – I'm not sure if they did it uh, back in 2005, but now high school players can go into the NBA straight yeah. without going to college. Do you think that's very good? I, I kind of think that they need some time to mature before they do that. I, I agree with you. I think I think um, there's certain players that, are, that, that, that could get away with it. I think Marvin probably was one of those players. Um, there were some guys during Marvin's time like Josh Smith, Dwight Howard, uh, then LeBron came a couple of years before Marvin. Those guys were built and ready to go to the NBA. So there was, there were some guys in, in Marvin's class, high school class, that were probably um, real ready to go. Um, but nowadays, it, it's, the kids to me aren't mature enough emotionally now to uh, right. have that kind of, you know, because you got to be disciplined. You got to be disciplined to, to, to work out on your own. It's not like college where you got coaches constantly on you and following you around, making sure you do, do what you're supposed to do. You get in the NBA, man. You're a grown man. You got to take care of yourself. Not take care of yourself. Understand all the traveling. Be responsible. Be where you're supposed to be at on time. So it's a different ball game. And I think I look at these young kids now. A lot of them are gifted, but to me, a lot of them are not emotionally ready. Well, I'll tell you, I, I can't imagine being 18, 19, 20, having having a bank account that's got seven figures, um, a lot of a lot of money. That you can yeah. do anything. You've got a lot of people that are uh, uh, following you around. Uh, people trying to get you to invest and to do stuff, and lots of and oh, don't forget about the girl thing. There's lots of oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you you can get into a whole bunch of trouble before <laughs> if you're 19, you got a million bucks and you got beautiful women on your arm. Yeah, yeah. 
It, it's, it's, and that's true because even even as Marvin, he had me and his mom around him and some good people around him. It still was a challenge for us, but we were we were able to keep that stuff away from him because they those people's jobs are basically to take money out your pocket, figure out how they can get that money out your pocket. You know, and they're not really concerned about you taking care of your family, not like that. They want to get taken care of. Yeah, they they want they want some cash. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. It, it, may, it makes it really tough. It makes it really tough. So, so Marvin, um, well, first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on the challenges you faced as a kid. I, I love your book. And the title of your book, tell me, tell me what it is. It's a secondary break in NBA dad story. And it's, it's a, I think I haven't read it yet, but I've read the synopsis on it. It's got great, great reviews. And I think it's a, it's a great read. And if you're interested at all in the NBA, if you're interested in, what it would be like to be in that world. Uh, it, it's a completely different world than most of us ever live in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I, and I think the book, I wrote the book most too, because I wanted, I wanted the people to see that even coming from my background, you could be successful. If you, if you find something that you believe in and you believe in yourself and follow through and stay, stay, uh, stay with it, that no matter what environment you come from, if you really determine to be successful, you can and, I, and so I think that book, if you read it, it'll help you to understand and see that as you travel through the book with me and my journey. Because it, it is um, you you had challenges, you faced your challenges and you and you did and you did well. Uh, yeah. You raised you raised a level headed kid playing 15 years in the NBA takes not only talent, but it takes uh, a lot of perseverance and also the ability to stay stay out of trouble. Yes. Yeah. And so you did. You did really well. And and when when he went to the NBA and uh, and obviously you had an agent and stuff. But um, you and and he made kind of an agreement that he, you were going to kind of uh, be part of his posse, as it were, to keep him on the straight and narrow, right? Yeah. Well, my job was basically. I mean, like like me and him. Our relationship was. I'm your father. You my son. <laughs> and, and and and. But you know, I like that because he understood that. It was never it was never a question of dad, uh, I'm gonna go over here and do this. And I tell him, no, I don't think that's a good idea. It was always, I'm gonna check, I check, I'm gonna tell my mom and check in with her and then I'm gonna see what my dad thinks. And if we say no, that that, that was the end of the conversation, it never happened. He, oh, that's he, he was an easy kid, he's a great young man, and uh I love every second of, of watching him grow up to be a man and a father. We got two, we got two lovely daughters. What's it like for a guy like him? That he's now 15 years uh, uh, NBA vet, um, he but that makes him still what is he 37, 38 somewhere in there? He's 40, 34. Oh, 34. So yeah. what does a guy do? He's 34. He's got lots of. I mean, I suppose that with the type of money that they make now, that that he could spend the rest of his life just managing his money. And making sure those are sound decisions and and that sort of stuff. But what does a guy? He's thirty four. He's probably and I I would have to say a multimillionaire. Uh, what does a guy that's thirty four? What does he do for passion when his passion was basketball and he can't play it anymore? Well, the interesting thing about him was he's he's always seen himself, and when it came to basketball, as basketball is a is a sport I love, but it's not who I am. He's always been that way. Even when he got in the NBA, he said he would tell people, hey, man, basketball is a job. I love basketball, but it's just a job. It don't, it's not who I am. And so he was always able to separate the two and live a life of, you know, he's always been low-key, never flash. He don't like the limelight. If he can get away without 
never even dealing with it, he would have. But uh, he lived. A, he's a simple guy, a, a simple, level-headed guy, and just love his family. And I think he could spend the rest of his life just being with his kids and and not not even do much. But I think yeah. he uh, he wanted. He talked about going to basketball without borders, but you know because of COVID now he had to change that plan. And he's he's gotten a couple of coaching and um, positions offered to him, but he hasn't made up his mind what he want to do. Right now he's just spending time with his kids, as well he should because if for the first fifteen years. And playing in the NBA, for those that don't know, they play 82 games a year. They play 41 on the road. Uh, they, they'll they go on a road trip and be gone for a week at a time. Uh, to and, and it's hard to develop a personal life. And, and to have, I mean, they play at Christmas. They play on New Year's. They play. So it's, it's really hard for them to develop a, a, a great family life and to, and to live life normally like the rest of us do. Right, right. That's true. That's so true. So it's really, it's really good. Well, you, well, you know, Dad, the reason that he is so level-headed, I think, is because of you. I can't take all the credit. His mom did a lot of the work. You know, he lived with his mom, and but I always was close by. I was either walking distance down the street or something like that. He would come spend time with me and spend time with. Her. But I, I, I have to give her credit. She did, she did a lot of the work. And then, well, good. So even so, you, you and his mom are still on good terms. Then. Oh yeah, that's my best friend. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my best friend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that is that is really cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, but now, before before we go too far into this, and and let's, I, I want to get you the word out about your book again. By the way, you can go get that book at Amazon or any of the major uh, drug or drug sellers, uh, booksellers <laughs> <laughs> that are that are out there, right? Uh, um, yeah. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes. Uh, yeah, you can get it on those guys. Oh, good. So let's let's. I can't let a guy like you get away because you've seen NBA history firsthand, uh, from from all the way. Now there's this this raging argument that still goes on today, as to the best of all time. Who is the best? And I, I hate to put you on the spot, but <laughs> I mean between uh, um, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or uh, uh, Larry Jordan or or Michael. Or excuse me, Michael Jordan or Julius Irving or any wow. any of those guys, you know, going back to the list of some really interesting folks, in your opinion, I, I think I know who it is because he's your personal friend and you probably can't, can't say, but is my, do you think Michael is the best of all time? You know, I, I think he is. I want to say he is, but then, you know, the tough part is gener it's the gener all those, it's all generation, you know, because you got to think about, uh, Will Chamberlain averaged what fifty points a game and twenty six rebounds a game for a whole season. Yep, he's so, the only player to score hundred points in one game. One game, right? And then you got um, Bill Russell, who's won what nine NBA titles. Yep. So yeah. he got, lives up here too. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think that's a. If I had to name top ten, it'd be easy for me because I would have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in there. I would have. I definitely would have uh, Michael Jordan in there. I would have. Uh, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. Uh, there's a lot of great guys. Like we talked about Pistol Pete. Yeah. Pistol Pete Maverick, you know. So yeah, I, people, even even people like Walt Frazier and uh, uh yeah. and and Earl the Pearl and uh, yeah, and those guys. You yeah. know, the one guy that I wanted to to uh, just applaud Marvin for what he's done because the one guy that I, comes to mind who had all the talent in the world, 
and but unfortunately let uh, uh, drugs get in the way, and that's Spencer Haywood. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I've read I've read his story several times, and I, I just he was yeah he was very very talented. Yeah, and, and it was sad to see him end up like that. It, it really was. Now I think he's doing well now, mm -hmm. uh, but but it took him. He had to go through all that crap. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, Marvin is, is kind of low key and he's a family guy and yeah. he doesn't get into much trouble. That's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It sure is. I'm proud of him. He went back, you know, he, uh, he was the first kid to ever be a one and done in NCAA history to go back and get his college degree. So well, he, good for him. he went back after he um, got drafted. He made me and his mom a promise that he would finish. And I stayed on him too, until he did it. And he got it done. <laughs> And I went, was able to watch him walk at the University of North Carolina. That was wonderful. What did, what did he major in? Um, I think I want to say African studies. Uh, African studies yeah. Well, you know, the, the beautiful thing about a guy like him and, and, a, and a man like you is that, uh, oh, oh, by the way, somebody just uh, um, um, said, you know, brought up Larry Bird. So we can't. Oh, Larry Bird, good point. <laughs> we, can't, we can't let that go without talking about Larry. Absolutely. Uh, because he, he he was a fabulous player as well. Yeah, I love watching him play. Yeah, but but uh, your son, being um, with the financial means he has now, with the heart that he has, he could he could go and and do uh, a lot of nonprofit stuff and a, a lot of work for charities and and work to help people and and uh, and we need we need people in this country uh, that need a lot of help as well. So has he thought about doing anything like that? He actually that's a good question. He actually has a. a, a um, Recreation center that him and his pastor, um, Lawrence, um, um, Bishop Lawrence Robinson, they built. So uh, it's there, it's in Bremerton, built for the community. Uh, it's, I think it's for the you know on the west, east side of Bremerton. Um, so he's got that nonprofit that, that he does there, and I think he still gives a lot to charities. But I don't I don't know about him. I don't think he's interested in doing like a big foundation. But I I know he does give, and I know he really does give back to Emmanuel Apostolic Church in Bremerton. Well, even even just building the rec center so the kids have a place to go. Yeah. Um, so you know, so you've been around, you've been around kids and schools and stuff. How have kids changed? How how different are they now than they used to be? I, I think I think that the, the you know back then the discipline started at home. I, I think they got rules now with parents that, that puts them in tough position where they can't, you, I'm not talking about just spanking your kid, but I'm saying like, you know, tough love kind of stuff where um, you can be a little bit more firm with them while spanking them and stuff like that. I think the rules have changed so much. And so that's giving kids leeway now so that, and then kids are, in my opinion, I think a lot of kids nowadays are younger having kids. And that's the, that's the, that's the tough part because they themselves haven't grown up and, and, and saw the world and have enough knowledge and life experience to teach their kid. So that's what I think the drop off comes in at. I think a lot of kids now are having kids, they're having kids younger. And so they're teaching their kids based on their life experience, what little bit they have or don't have, you know? So I think that changes the dynamics of young kids today as well. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, one of the one of the things that I've done in my past uh, fairly recently is I drove a city bus for a number of years. And and so I got to see firsthand a lot of young, I mean, young 16, 17, 18 year old girls with it, with strollers. Yeah. I see and, that. and and one of I was listening to a conversation one time 
and and the and the, and the girl said uh, she didn't have a stroller, and uh, the, her two friends did. And she said, "Well, I'm looking to you know get pregnant fairly soon, so that she can join the club, kind of thing." But it's, it isn't about you know doing things like I don't know having a relationship with the man first, and to have him stay around. The girls end up being on their own and uh, living with their mom or whatever, and it makes it really hard on the kids. Yeah, it does because again, I think it, it, it could be generational too. Maybe her mom, that seventeen or sixteen year old mom, had her had her when she was young. So it become it could become a generational thing. When my mom had a young kid, I want to have a young kid too. And then I think I think some young kids see it as a as a, as a grown up symbol. So I have a kid now, I'm grown. But but you but you don't understand the grown things grown people really have to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And having a, having a baby, it's I cannot imagine the, the, having a baby at seventeen or eighteen years old, and you're just a baby yourself. You have no life experience yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah, it's tough because I mean, when, when you see a kid in a situation, and you know, you as a, as a, as a young kid haven't gotten to that level where you've experienced that, and then your kid gets in that situation, you ain't gonna be able to handle that because you don't have nothing to fall back on from life experience. And you're and on top of that, you're not gonna have any money. You're gonna be poor. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're not going to have an education. It's hard to work when you have a child yeah. um, and with the daycare and, and stuff like that. So it it kind of locks you into a lifestyle that that uh, I wouldn't wish upon anybody. I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's, about you're 17. You still haven't turned 21 to go out to nightclubs or live your life. With your <laughs> right. But you haven't done none of that yet. So nope. and you got a kid. So yep. Yeah, you get 21, you want to go out and hang out and leave your kid with anybody and everybody or your parents or your grandparents are raising, they'll end up raising because you're busy on a run trying to enjoy your life, you know? So that's generally what happens. And then you'd, you'd be, well, you wouldn't be amazed because you see it all the time. How many grandparents have had to step in to raise their kids because their kids are not doing it? All the time. I see it all the time. I'm still seeing it now. You see, and you see grandparents raising, raising their kids, their kids' kids. No. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it, it's a tough it's a tough tough culture that we find ourselves in, and I know that you've done a lot of thinking about it. Where do, where do you think we need now? Fortunately, the the guy that was in the White House isn't in the White House anymore, and I'm very happy about that. Cool. Um, but what do you do? What what do we? Where do we need to go to bring our country back together? Do you think? I think we have to. I think we have to be honest with each other, and I, I think as human beings, no matter what color. You are, and you're going to have differences, and that's fine. It's just a matter of how you deal with those differences. You know, violence ain't going to get violence. That stuff the former president was doing, in my opinion, wasn't doing. I, I think he just came in and found the right, you know, group of people that fit his, his belief system. That's what he wrote with. Um, I, I, I served this country in the United States Navy, and I've never been more proud of it than I've ever was. And it really hurt my heart to see our country when he was president to be where it's at, because that, that's that's not America. Because there are so many good people out in the world that I've met. I've traveled and been all over the world, and uh, i met so many wonderful people, that, and, and, and color has never done, played a part in, in my decision to be friends on anyone. And I think it's sad that a lot of people aren't gonna, they're gonna miss out on those opportunities to meet those kind of people, because they're using that kind of stuff to, to, to you know, keep them from being friends with people. All uh, right. I couldn't agree more. By the way, I, I I would remiss. Thank you for your service, sir. 
Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. I, I, I'm very thankful I did it. Well, that's a, that, and it allowed you to grow up and have some fun and and stuff. Now, you you at one point after you got out of the navy and after you finished your college career, uh, you you wanted to go pro, but it just didn't work out for you. Is that, is that- right? Exactly. I, I tried out for a few different teams. Um, I f- tried out for a lot of teams, and uh, it just I would get close, whereas I would be maybe the top ten out of eighty. And they have an all-star team. Then they break that down to the, the best three. And I ended up being in my last tryout with John Lucas' team. John Lucas had a team, a drug rehab team that the NBA had sponsored. And he had had me on that team. They had like 80 guys trying out for three spots. And I made the cut to three. But then I get a John gets a call from the NBA saying they got a guy who, who needs to be in his program. And I wasn't on drugs or anything. So I was the first one to get cut. So I got, I, you know, I got tired of doing that. Then I went through a period of depression, drinking and stuff like that, feeling sorry for myself. And then um, I had to get myself together because I had a child to raise. And I, and I just said, I'm just focusing my energy on raising my son, get myself together and start focusing on raising my son. And that's when my girlfriend at the time, she told me, hey, why don't you start coaching? And so I started coaching. I started coaching high school girls basketball with her in Bellevue. And then we went from Bellevue to Walla Walla, Washington. We coached the girls team at, at uh, Walla Walla. Uh, then we went from there. I ended up uh, coaching, spent a lot of time coaching Marvin, and then, then I ended up with an AAU team out here in Charlotte. Oh, cool! So, yeah. so you you've been coaching for a long time, then? Yeah, a little over thirty five years, somewhere around there. It's a long time. Yeah. You still coaching? No, I gave up. I had an AAU team a couple of years ago, and uh, I had ran an AAU program for about six years, and it got kind of tough because, like, what we talking about now, the parents, the expectation. I think the expectation was the parents expected the kids to be NBA players before the kids even thought about being NBA players. They just wanted to play. But, you know, the parents, were the, they, man, some of these parents in the AAU programs are the worst. And they just, it, it, it just disappointed me, and so I just stopped doing it. I just stopped doing it. Everybody thinks that their kid is going to be the next Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. and it's sad. It's sad because there's so many other things they could do and be. Well, and, and yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. And and see, they're getting the a great opportunity to do that, but they've also are given an opportunity to go to school. Most of them are on scholarship, right? And they can take that and and really make something of themselves to break that. It's what I call the seven year cycle, or the seven generation cycle, where you've got kids that are getting getting pregnant young, and then their kids get it. Just continues on and on. And you know, I think I think as a parent, they should look at basketball as a way of teaching their kid about the fundamental things of life. Because if you look at basketball, the game of basketball, think about it for a second. They all get on the team together for one common goal, right? And they, it don't matter if you're from, like in the NBA, they got guys from China, they got from Europe, but they're all on the team together for one common goal. That's to win the title, right? But it also teaches you to work together to win that title. Right. Sacrifice something from yourself so that to help the, 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 the goal. And, and so I think parents should use that so when it teaches their kid when they go out in the workforce, you go to a job, you're going to be working with different races of people, you're going to work with people that you don't agree with, a lot of people you don't agree with or whatever. And at the same time, having that skill of learning how to play as a, a, one unit and play together and, 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 you know, be with somebody different from you, it's going to help you through your career, whatever job you may get, especially corporate job. Yeah, well, and if you if you decide that, uh, well, you know, if you can't, 
everybody's career. <laughs> I was a real good baseball player until I got to to high school, and there were other real good. There's a point in time when you just can't get, you keep up with the okay. other guys, and right. and you've reached your your ceiling, as it were, and so you need to go do something else. And and uh, a lot of the kids, there's so much money involved, and the parents are want want to, to their kids to buy them a house when they're uh, you know making millions of dollars and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, just makes it, it just makes it really tough on, on everybody. There's a lot of pressure. I wanted to ask you, too, the game has changed. I yes. remember when there were people like uh, you, and a guy by the name of Tom Macheri. He was 6'7". He was a power forward. He played for the Sonics way back when. And uh, he, couldn't shoot, he couldn't shoot a basketball to save his life. <laughs> um, but he was a tough guy, and he played underneath, and he could rebound. Right. Um, those guys, they don't do that anymore. They're they're all three-point shooters, aren't they? Yes. The game has changed. You don't have the center game no more because you got all the centers who are seven foot. I'm like, you everybody just fell in love with the three-point line. And, I, and I, you know, the funny thing about the three-point line, it, it changed the game, but it also cheated the game because whereas before, if I'm down by two or down by four, I had to go down and work hard to get those four points back. Now you're down by four. I just come down, take one shot, hit a three, then go back down, hit another three, and I'm up. You know? <laughs> so, so you're not – you really, to me, it's kind of like shortchanging the game versus watching people have to really work hard to, to get buckets. Well, and it uh, – the uh... – the level of uh, play calling and the the com complexity of the plays used to be that that you had to, you couldn't you there's no point in taking a 25 footer because you got two points for it just as easily yeah. as a layup um, right. so you wanted to get in and get close and and there's a, there was a style to and the game was a lot rougher then than it is now. yeah physical very physical yeah but you had a Marvin I remember having a conversation with him one time that uh, Roy Williams had with Marvin said that uh. The group that Marvin had, you had those kids who come from family members who were workers, you know, get out there and do the manual labor type of work. So those kind of parents, and so they they raised the kids. But now you got the kids, you yell at them, man, they flipping out. They don't know what to do. You know, whereas back then, you yell them kids, and they tighten up. They got, you know, they got better. Yeah, so so do, do kids today not take criticism as well? Oh, no. Or the, no? Oh, no part of the problem is those kids – Again, the you know, the uh, AAU coaches fill their heads full of stuff. You so great, you so great, and then they're afraid to coach them, so they just leave them. If they don't have a, a the ability to shoot the ball, they just make them believe they can shoot it or whatever, and they just pass them through the system. Did it used to be that you would spend hours and hours perfecting your, your shot? Uh, do they still do that? No, I've I've, I've, I've seen so much stuff in the NBA where guys don't even want to come to a, a two hour practice. And it's not even a physical practice. It's just basically like a walkthrough practice. You know, you just come in, shoot around, get loose, you know, walk through some of the plays you're going to do, and that's it. They don't even want to do that. Some guys get paid all the money and don't want to do that. It must be really tough if uh, you get up out of bed in the morning. And, well, a lot of these guys now have an entourage. Uh, they've got two or three or four buddies that, that hang around, and so they don't have to do anything. Right. Um, and stuff, and and it it gives them a warped sense of life, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because when the money gone, your friends gone, your, 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 those guys gonna be gone. You have one or two who loyal to you that stick around, but very few do. <laughs> I, I, I in fifteen years, I've seen a lot of entourages come and go. <laughs> oh, 
I'll bet. I, I, learned, I learned the hard way one time. Uh, I was a chicken salesman, and uh, I had a couple of guys that we were in Dallas. And you know what a gentleman's club is, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, they call them, the, some places call them strip joints. And in yeah. Texas, they call them gentleman's club. <laughs> and uh, so the, the, my company allowed me to, to withdraw $500 to take these two guys to a gentleman's club. Okay. It became known throughout the facility that I had $500. Of course, I helped make that known. So that, and so suddenly we had all of these women that came over to say hi to us. <laughs> then I ran out of the $500 and it was like a desert. There was nobody to be seen. You couldn't even get a drink after that. It was. <laughs> So yeah. I get, I get it that everything runs on money, and when the money's gone, forget it. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, that's true. That's that's how the NBA works too. The montages. I, you know, I feel so sorry for some of the guys that. Uh, um, well, I, I I heard a story last night. Uh, he's from your area. Do you know? Do you remember James Donaldson? Yes. Yeah. He was seven foot two, played for the Sonics. Right. Yeah. He was a, he was a center, and then. He was doing well. He had a company. He uh, then he had a heart attack, and he was down for a year. His wife left. It's a, a bad country music song. His <laughs> wife left the job. His company folded, and and he went through all of his money that he was prepared to, to have for retirement, and now he's living in an apartment and is just trying to day by day to get by. It's it's you know it's sad that 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 happens. Yeah. I think a lot of people think once they get in the league that the money gonna keep coming, and they don't because you could be in the league today, not tomorrow, for one one bad injury, you know. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now, did how's Marvin's health? Uh, he fifteen years is a long time to put on those joints. Is he doing okay? Yeah, he's doing real well. He stays healthy. He works out every day still, as if he was gonna train, like he if he gonna go to a job. But he works out every day. I was just over there talking to him uh, a couple of days ago. He had just got done working out. He takes good care of his body. I, that's one thing I do. Uh, uh, I'm proud of him about. He's always done that. No, oh, that's that's awesome. And like I said, he's got a, uh, a career, 15 year career, and uh, his uh, scoring average is to over 10 points. Yeah. That's it, there's not a lot of guys that can actually that can say that that has a career like that and and was a viable part of the team. Right. Yeah. 15 years is a long time. Most most people say uh, if you last five years in the NBA, you've done great. So, yeah, and if you're a football player, three and a half is the average. So, yeah, yeah. So those guys come and those guys come and go. Marvin, it's been great fun. Let's talk about your book again. NBA Dad tells his story. Yeah, uh, secondary break. NBA Dad story. Yeah. How long did it take you to write the book? About a year. I, I just wrote like an hour a day, and it was more so like a journal to look back on my life seeing where I'm at now and where I come from. And I just went back and, and basically wrote it as a journal. And then one of my friends who was a publisher said, you ought to turn this into a book. And so that's basically what I did. Oh, very cool. Because you 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 wrote a lot about uh, your life and what's happening, but you also wrote about uh, um, philosophical things and, and ways to live your life a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Sure did. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. So tell us a little bit about that side of it. I think I think you um uh, like I said I think if you have a passion uh you should follow it because I I mean even when I was talking about trying to get to the NBA and playing people used to tell me I had a, that you living a pipe dream all oh, that's never going to happen. Um I always believe in God though and I always believe that if you do right good things will happen to you and so that's one of the things I, I try to 
talk about in my book, you know, always try to make the right decision and, and, and believe in yourself and then just keep your faith in God. And I think God, God will put you where he wants you to be at, whether you want to be there or not. <laughs> I think that, you know, <laughs> he'll, he'll put you where you think you should be at. And, and for the most part, he'll, he'll guide you along the way and, and you got to look for him and see him. He's there. Absolutely. And, and if you, all you have to do is look. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if, if there are times when times get tough and they get tough for a reason, yeah. So that so that you can learn through it and you can experience it and then you can go on if you're willing to learn. If you're not willing to learn, then you get to have the same story over and over again. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to learn, and if you don't, you know, it's, it's up to you. But uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be tougher. It's gonna yeah. be tougher. It changes. I believe change builds character anyway. I think we get so caught up as humans that we don't want to change, but we got to accept change as, as a good thing instead of it being a negative thing. No well, changes. Change is exciting. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. If you get to look forward to what's next, it's and uh, some some of us get to look forward. Some of us are really cool and they're thirty four and have lots of money in the bank and get get to look forward <laughs> to their future and take care of their kids and have a good. And others of us aren't quite that lucky. Yeah. So we yeah. Have to, we have to slog our way through, but th that's okay. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Marvin, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on the, on the podcast today. I really have enjoyed talking with you. I sure appreciate you having me on. Thank you so very much. Before you go, okay. I always I want to give my, uh, the, my, my guest of the hour the opportunity to talk to the audience, both those that are listening now and people that are going to view this later, um, and uh, tell, us, tell us what's in your heart and what you'd like us to know. I, I would like you guys to know that um, I think I think the, the world is a great place and I think we should learn to love more and trust each other more and, and, and give each other a chance. That's what I, I, I would say. That's really on my heart. To love more, give each other a chance and be as good as you possibly can be while you're on this earth. I wish I'd said that. That's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. That's, Thank you. That's, that's really that's really good. By the way, we're we've been talking with Marvin Williams Sr., which means, of course, there's a Marvin Williams Jr., and who's an NBA player for 15 years. And this is actually this book is more about his dad's story and what it was like uh, uh, for him growing up. Because you grew up, uh, you were you were born probably in the same time frame that I was. Maybe you were a little younger because uh, I was born in '57. Yeah, I was '64. Ah, okay. My favorite year. That's when the Beatles came, and you yeah. you wouldn't have remembered that. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, the '60s and '70s for a black man in America were not the prettiest time, and I'm and I'm sorry for that. Um, but but you guys have made it through, and uh, you're 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 uh, moving forward. I th I think that's absolutely great. Yeah. We got people like you in the world. We're gonna do all right. Well. <laughs> Well, I thank you for that, sir, because if I could play basketball like you, I'd be all right, too. I was, <laughs> I was too damn short. Too, too damn short and stocky. I, 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 so, but I played football and basically, you know, anyway. So, uh, But I, I never could. You know, I, I do want to tell you this, though, uh, before we go, is I went to Juanita High School. And at Juanita High School at that time, we had an absolutely killer baseball team. And the gentleman that was uh, the pitcher, left-handed pitcher on that team, his name is Mike Lentz. Mike Lentz was a, a 
phenomenal pitcher. He had a 92, 93 mile an hour fastball. I was a catcher, so I know uh, that it's scary catching him. But he, um, when he graduated from high school, he was the number one overall draft pick of the of the NBA or of the uh, of the uh, um, uh, Major League Baseball. Okay. He was drafted by the San Diego Padres, absolute number one. Nice. Which you would have thought would have guaranteed him a long major league career and uh, that he had gone through the ranks and gone. Uh, the problem was he, he couldn't, he, when he got to the point where people could hit his fastball, he was kind of done, but then he got injured. And uh, he then, so he, long story short, even though he was the number one draft pick, he never made it to the uh, uh, major league baseball. Wow. Uh, and wow. so, I think it's, it's remarkable that even though uh, Marvin was the number two overall pick, he still made it, and uh, then that doesn't happen by accident. It happens with the support of your family and the people around you and, and with your own work ethic, and he was able to accomplish all of that, and his whole life is going to be a lot different than it would have been had he had to go sell cars, which is where my friend is. Right, right, yeah. So, but it's, 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 so he should be, you should, well, I can just see in your face, you're very proud of him. Yes, I am. I'm just proud of him for the person that he is. That, that, that just brings joy to my heart. Oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad for you. And I'm glad that the, the, your whole family is, your family's doing well. Everybody doing well? Everybody's doing wonderful. Everybody's doing wonderful. God has blessed us and we just, just trying to maintain and enjoy and appreciate it. Oh well, I'm 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 so glad for you. So go go to uh, um, go to Amazon, get the book on Dad. NBA Dad tells his story, and uh, the rest of the title is Secondary Break NBA Dad Story. Oh, by the way, what what does Secondary Break mean? That's a good question. You know, I got it from um, I got it from Carolina. They ran. You know, when they take the ball out of bounds, they try to get the ball up as fast as they can to score. But if they don't score, they go into their secondary break. And so I got that from Carolina. And then I also, uh, I also use that devil metaphor that God gave me a second chance in my life, gave me a second break. Well, and I'll tell you, it, um, you've, you've earned it and you live it, and that's, that's awesome. So I, 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 love that, I love that term. Can Mind if I use that? Yes, sir. Help yourself. Help yourself. <laughs> so everybody needs a secondary break in life. And, right. uh, you yeah, because yeah. – Sometimes you don't get it right the first time, but yeah. but if you stay with it, and that's that's what I love about the message of your book. Yeah. Even if you've got troubles, stay with it, hang with it. Good things will happen. Yeah. Sure will. Sure will. Marvin, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Kevin. Have now, hold 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 on. Don't go anywhere. I have to do this, and then I want to talk to you some more. Okay. Then. Okay. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.